Welcome to It's Art, Let's Talk About It, a podcast sponsored by the Museum of Western Art in Kerrville, Texas. Located in the heart of the Texas Hill Country, the museum is dedicated to the preservation and promotion of the American West, especially through the art of the West. In this podcast series, we will visit with artists, art collectors, and gallery directors working in the Western art genre. We'll talk about the history and heritage of Western art, and we'll talk about why talking about Western art is so important. I'm Daryl Beecham, the executive director of the museum, and I'll be your host for It's Art. Let's talk about it. The podcast is a member of the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network. In this episode, Daryl is joined by Nebraska-based artist Rachel Brownlee, who has captured the attention of art enthusiasts with her remarkable talent and unique perspective. Despite discovering her passion for drawing later in life, Rachel has achieved significant success in the art world, winning Best of Show at the prestigious Mountain Oyster Club Show. I know you'll enjoy this episode of It's Art, Let's Talk About It. And joining us today on It's Art, Let's Talk About It is the Nebraska artist, Rachel Brownlee. And Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, we're glad to have you all the way from Nebraska this this afternoon. (laughs) Yes, uh, very rural Nebraska. Yeah, very rural Nebraska. <laughs> Rachel is, for those of you just listening, uh, not know much about Rachel, is our recent artist in our 40th Roundup exhibition and show and sold a major work in our exhibition. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And um, Rachel, let's start with the very basics of the It's Art, Let's, add, let's Talk About It questions. Were you one of those young artists who knew from the time you were three years old it's either going to be a, a painter, a, an artist, or is this a, a relative recent develop in your life? Or how did you get to where, from from those early drawings to the moment where you could sell a major work in a museum show? Talk about your, well, your involvement, if you will. I was not, I was always good at drawing, but we were ranchers. The expectation was that you'd get a good education and then you'd probably ranch. Regardless of what you did, it would be a very practical, work with your hands type of life. That's what you were expected to have. So everybody thought that my drawing was cute, but that it was really irrelevant. There was no point in pursuing it, and nobody was really encouraging me with that. I was uh, homeschooled, actually, for my entire education, so I never had any exposure to the arts whatsoever. At all, really. I never even saw a fine art magazine. I didn't even know that it existed. Are you serious? It's... <laughs> we had a Tim Cox calendar. The local auction barn always sent out a Tim Cox calendar. And I thought go. that's pretty cool. And so that little bit of realism is the only artwork I was exposed to. And I just drew what I knew. I drew the horses that we had. I drew the cowboys that we had. And I was probably better than a 12 year old should have been, but I, I just didn't really pursue it. And then I ended up getting a college degree in software engineering. And I worked in that for a number of years. And then I actually married my high school sweetheart and moved back to his family's ranch about half an hour from where I grew up. And he really encouraged me to just pick up drawing again, just because he thought I was good at it. And that was about it. And then I, someone told me I should apply for the mountain oyster club show which I thought was a scam because it sounded like a weird name. (laughs) But I did it 
and they accepted my piece and I undertook the uh, terror of shipping a glass uh, glazed piece of artwork all the way down to Tucson. And then I decided to go down to that show and I won best of show at that show. And since then, that was two years ago, that was 2021. So only two years ago, right during the right during the height of COVID. Yeah. So and you since are, then I've been busy. You are brand new in the West. Brand world. new. <laughs> it's really funny when I talk to artists and, and on this program, we talk to people like Jack Sorensen. He's been painting since he was three years old, right? Wow. He has 60 some odd years of experience with it. And it's funny to see the enthusiasm I hear in your voice for your work and the enthusiasm I hear in his voice and all mm -hmm. of these it's a strange, strange little world that you ventured into. It is. You did it, you did it right during the height of the pandemic. Yes, that didn't really affect us a great deal on this ranch, just because we're so rural that it didn't, we're not in school and we only work on the ranch. So really it didn't affect our daily lives here. Yeah. Why pencil? And before, look, before we ask that question, before you answer that question, for those of you listening along, you can see examples of Rachel's work on our website, on the exhibition catalog, including the, the piece that she sold, the magnificent work. And we'll be sure to post those out there, additional works. But where can people find your work if they want to see examples of your work? Is there um, a website? Yeah, rachelbrownlee.com. Just that simple. Yep. First, last name. R-A-C-H-E-L, and then Brownlee's B-R-O-W-N-L-E. Yep. Dot com. And they'll be able to see examples of your work. Yep. And all of my shows and everything. More about it. Yep. So talk about why the medium that you chose. I think I probably really just didn't have a choice. I wasn't, I didn't even really know that people painted. I, we didn't have access to paint. We didn't go to art stores. There were no brushes. I didn't know anything about it. So I had a pencil and I had a notebook and that's what I started with. And then at some point, and I don't even really remember when somebody gave me a charcoal pencil and I just loved how black it was compared to graphite and how matte it was the texture. And I've stuck with that ever since. And so you just did out of necessity, you painted a, what you knew or drew what you, what you know, and that is your ranch life. And you did it with the mediums that were readily available to you. Yep. That's simple. Any, any plans for venturing into other mediums now that you've been exposed to them? I wouldn't mind. In fact, I would love to train underneath someone at some point, but I think I have barely scratched the surface of what is possible with charcoal. And well, you talk about mountain oyster show. And then of course our show most recently here in uh, September of this past year, um, in which you won a major award. You won the Patron's Choice Award for your work, the sad Big Saddle piece, uh, Fencing Rig, I think is what it was called. Uh, and that gives you the rights to help us with the banner next year. It gives you the ability to, that's where we're going to start with a lot of your work on advertising for the show in April. It's cool. um, Mountain Oyster Show and win a, win a best best of show award this show other shows that you've been involved in since the mountain oyster show i won best of show with the cowgirl up show this spring 
So it seems like you just every time you you enter something, you win, right? Kind of. <laughs> Don't be too honest. There's a chance to. Play. It's not not every time, but but a, so far in my very short two year career, I have won point, three major. At what point did you think maybe I can actually make some money with this? I can make a living with this. I think I talked to a few artists at some of these shows and I was just amazed that they've been doing this as their livelihood for their, some of them, their whole lives. And they encouraged me and said, you can as well. You just um, have to find the right market. You just have to step out there and get in the right market and get with the right people. Yeah. yeah that's pretty exciting. What, what, what drives you with your subject matter? Is it things on a regular basis? Is it everything? Yeah, everything that I draw is my neighbors, my horses, their horses, their cattle. I just think that there is an inherent beauty in this Western lifestyle that is still alive rather than a historical pastoral piece. A lot of artists depict the West as um, having existed in the past, but a lot of them don't realize that people like me are still living this exact life today. They still wear the same boots. They still ride the same saddles. Maybe some of those saddles have been used for over a hundred years, like the saddle that I drew. I just think it's really beautiful. And in your, I mean, you, you're still involved in the day-to-day -day of, of ranching. You're a ranch woman. Yes, yeah. uh, all the time. We're weaning calves right now. You can hear them out the window if, if the audio is good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so the family, you, you paint, you draw. You know, when do you have time? Because uh, being a ranch woman is a full-time activity in and of itself, I think. Pretty much everything I do, people would consider a full-time activity. So being a ranch wife, having two kids, maintaining a long distance running journey, I compete. So I have to stay trained on that. And then my, my fine art is at least 40 to 50 hours a week by itself. So you've got a 40 hour, 40, 50 hour work ranch wife and you train as an athlete. They all just knit together. And it just, where do you find the hours and a mom? How do you find the hours of the day to, to do everything, much less anything? It's one of those questions. Yeah. Where, what training are you thinking about and have you been involved in, in the last couple of years? With my artwork? Yeah. Nothing other than drawing 40 hours a week. So um, you're just, you're out there really living it from life. Yes, as much as I can. I try to do a lot of historical education myself when I can find a few minutes to read. My great aunt, Mari Sandoz, is one of the great authors for the Plains Indians, and she wrote excellent novels about, not novels, nonfiction books about them. So I try to read those and educate myself about the history of the subject matter that I draw. So if you had to pick a subject matter, it's literally things that you see every day. I think that gives my work its passion because black and white could be dry possibly, but I am really passionate about depicting something that I know very intimately. I'm not looking at it from the outside. So I know the body language of the horses that I'm drawing and I know why the people are using the tack and the equipment that I depict. All of it is very personal for me. Right. So where do you see it going? More of the same? I don't think it will be the same. I'm pondering some changes that I don't think will be the end. I've only been doing this for two years and right. I'm turning 30 this week. So I have a lot of years of drawing left to me. So I, who knows where it will go. One of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to interview you for the podcast 
is that, like I, I mentioned earlier, we do spend a lot of time talking to artists who have been doing this for 70 and 80 years, a long time, right? You think about some of the folks who've been, been on my podcast, Herman Walker's been drawing for forever. A man in his mid seventies, Bill Farnsworth in Florida. There've been just tons of others and it just, it's a different perspective when you get to visit with somebody who I mean, relatively new at the thing. I'm sure it is. And uh, I have no idea what my work will look like in 60 years. Do you, well, I think you have something in the back of your mind that you're playing with. Care to give us a hint what, what that is? What changes can we expect? What direction can we, we think you can go? Almost none of my work is on paper anymore. So I feel like I'm pushing the boundary of painting and charcoal. In fact, I usually call my work charcoal paintings. Now, as of the last six months, I've been doing all of my work on panel okay. so that it can be directly varnished and then displayed just like any other painting. And the, like the visceral intimacy you get with that, you walk up to what is clearly a charcoal drawing or a photograph, depending on how you look at it. Some of them are so realistic, they look like photographs. And the fact that you could just reach out and touch it with your own fingers just like crosses this mental border between being a drawing and being a painting. How do you choose what works you're gonna enter into a show? For example, why the fencing rig for our exhibition here this past this September? Yours was the first show I've gotten into in Texas. And I think that the history of the West and the history of ranching is really uh, much more intimate down there, more well-known, I should say. Right. Nebraska has a long history with it, but that's not what Nebraska is known for. It's known for farming, which is excellent. But uh, my work, I think the subject matter is particularly good for Texas. There's two now that I know in Nebraska, two wonderful artists, yourself and Brandon Bailey, the cowboy artist of America. Yeah. Are you yeah, he's my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes, he's my cousin. Yeah, I remember, I think somebody told me that, but are you guys on the same same side of the state or opposite? We are. Yeah, we're only a couple of hours from each other. It's a weird, I went years without knowing a single artist from Nebraska. Now, <laughs> two very good ones. There's um, Phil Epp as well. I think he's a cowboy artist of America. Yeah. I met Phil, yeah. So, you know, he's not, he doesn't live here anymore, I don't think. It's so. They're developing a reputation. <laughs> Phil originally from Nebraska, now lives in Kansas. But yeah. Which artists out there are impressing you? What direction, when you look at work, now that you're getting magazines and seeing other works and going to shows, who comes to mind that you'd like to find out more about their work? I've always admired Glenn Dean and okay. Rick Kennington, probably for the same reason, is that I really enjoy their, um, sometimes they use like a pastel palette and, um, it, their work is more impressionistic than mine, obviously, but that's the type of work that I really like to look at. I prefer to look at their work rather than looking at my work. My work, I feel like, is a is almost a direct picture of my brain. It's very uh, linear. It's very black and white and very straightforward, almost intrusive. If that if one of my pieces hangs on your wall, it almost demands to be looked at. It's um, audacious, maybe, but one of their pieces is just so beautiful and it's so calming and so pleasant to look at. And those are the two artists I would like to have on my own wall. And those are two really wonderful artists. Um, 
we've, we've had both their works in the Museum of Western Art over the years and, and will continue. So that's it. Folks, we're, uh, we're joined today by uh, Rachel Brownlee and uh, for It's Art, Let's Talk About It. It is, uh, you can go out and see her work off our website, which is www.museumofwesternart.com or a real simple website for her as well. And that is Rachel Brownlee. That's L-E-E, at the end, Brownlee, L-E-E.com. And Rachel, they can find more about you out there as well. I want to revisit something that you mentioned just a second ago, because I find art and artists to be so multifaceted. Uh, very few artists that I know, that's all they do. There's, just, there's a few, but so many of them are, in your case, ranchers. They have a full-time lifestyle that is very involved. And then they're involved in charities. They're involved in a lot of different things. I heard you say something that, that kind of piqued my interest and I want people to know more about it. And that's long distance running. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yes. Not often do you hear somebody in the art field who has either the time nor the inclination to, to put in the hours and the miles that it takes to be a competitive runner. What sort of running is it? Is it is it all cross country marathon? Marathon distance road running is what I do. Marathon distance road running, so twenty six miles at a at a whack. Yep. How do you find the time to do that? That just doesn't seem like it it fits. What do you have the husband drop you off in another town? And like this morning, I left in the complete dark. And I got back right as the sun was coming up. And that's just how I've been doing it for the last uh, four and a half years since my daughter was born. I just run before she wakes up and it gives you the motivation to get back on time because you know that your baby will be waiting for you. But typically I run out and then I run back. So it's an out and back run on our county road. And the community has had a great deal of fun with it over the last five years because nobody else out here does anything like that. And they all pass you going to work or going to school in the morning and they pretend to run you down or honk at you or tell you you should be working or something else. But Forrest Gump, they run, right? Children? <laughs> they have done that. What competitions have you entered in? I was in the Omaha Marathon, the Thedford Half Marathon and the Spearfish Half Marathon. So I only do one race, one formal race a year, but I run nearly every day. And you run how far every day? What's your typical day look like? Right now, I'm not preparing for a marathon, so I'm doing about 22 miles a week, which is pretty pretty low stress, but as it gets into winter, I continue running outside, regardless of the weather. That's my self-mantra. I have been out in negative 10 degrees and 40-mile-an-hour wind running through snow drifts, and I have been out in 105 degrees and 40-mile-an-hour winds, and it's, I don't know, it's like a reflection of my artwork, I think. No matter how difficult it is, it just needs done. What's on the easel right now? Some lovely horses drinking out of a uh, stream. There's really nothing as beautiful to, uh, to draw as horses. I always come back to that. And if you had one thing you could draw, it would be horses. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And yet yep. one of the major awards that you won, I don't know what you won at Mountain Oyster and at Cowgirl Up, but for us, it was a still life of a saddle. Yep. Calling the fencing rig. Yep. Those are such detailed, difficult pieces. Those still lifes that I do take so much time and so much brain power to, to create those intricate little details that sometimes it's really nice to take a break and draw something that's really pleasant to look at, which is a horse usually. 
Do you tend to draw the horse, draw an animal exactly as you see it, or is it close to realism? How close to photorealism are we getting in your work? I think that I'm maybe just a hair below exactly photorealistic, and I could probably push that, but I don't know that there's value in that because I think that the point is not to recreate a photograph. That's never been the exact point. It's just to communicate exactly how I see something to someone else. And your stylist would be considered tight versus loose? Uh, very, very. And I've heard from a lot of artists that, artists that they, over time, get a lot looser. That's the expectation. And I'm willing to have that in my, I'm willing to pursue that. I just don't know how well that fits my style. And I was in Fredericksburg, Texas last weekend and went into Insight Gallery and you have six or eight works there at Insight. Yeah, I think I have four at the moment there. Is there, I was trying to count in my head, you know, what I saw there, but I found that to be knowing a little bit about your background, having brought you on for our show that you had not done much in the way of shows and collector base, I found it pretty amazing that Insight, which is known as a, a very good national gallery, would bring somebody on who's so young and basically new at the at this game. Talk yeah. about that. What? How did that come about? And are were you shocked and surprised, or is it obviously is that your first gallery representation? It's my second. The Broadmoor Galleries took me on this summer, but I was very honored to be contacted by Insight and to hear that they were interested because of the reasons that you mentioned. And I know that they keep a very small stable of artists, if you will. They don't really exceed, I think, 70. So they really need to find somebody very unique or they need to have another artist leave before they bring one on. And they said that they never brought on another pencil artist other than Mary Ross Buckles. Right. But they said that my work is so unique and they'd never seen anything like it before. And that's why they added me, which is well, think, that's I, one of the greatest compliments an artist can receive is to hear that their work is unique. Yeah. And I think if, if they're listening, I know they'll be listening, but both of the owners of Insider are good friends of ours, good friends of the museum. And I'm just going to accuse them right now of stealing you from <laughs> because they were here and saw your work. I think. Yeah. They may have seen it in the past on other places, but I know they were here and stood a long time in front of your work talking about it. And so I was pleased when I went over there and saw that, saw those works on the walls and, and hopefully you'll do real well with it. Yeah. It's a beautiful gallery and such a, it was so amazing to go visit it and see my work there. It's, it's always lovely to see your, your own work on the walls of a gallery let's, like that. Uh, let's talk about the future for you. Is it just more of the same, more shows, Mountain Oyster again, perhaps? The, yes, uh, I have a couple more this fall, the Mountain Oyster Club show and the Settlers West fall show. And then I have some applications out to some other shows that I haven't gotten into yet, but we'll see what next year holds for that. And you know you're going to be in April's 41st annual Roundup exhibition and sale. Yep, I'm planning on it. And so start thinking about the invitation now because it'll be your work that we'll use on our printed invitation that goes out. That's the Patron Choice Award winner every year. That's how we select the artist that's going to be on the invitation for the following year. So that'll gotta, be very cool. Yeah, you got to start having <laughs> the invitation for a major music. Yeah. 
museumofwesternart.com. Go out to our exhibitions page on the 40th annual Roundup exhibition and sale, and you can see Rachel's work there. We'll also post it on our podcast, the images that we have from uh, the current exhibition. We'll find others to put out there. And then if you're interested and you're joining us just now, it's rachelbrownlee.com. rachelbrownlee.com. What about Facebook, Instagram, those sorts of things? Yep, rachel.l.brownlee on Instagram. And then on Facebook, it is Brownlee Fine Art. Brownlee Fine Art on Facebook and rachel.l.brownlee on the Instagram yep. pages. So you've got the social media covered, got your own website, and you're off and, off and running, as they say. Yep. <laughs> so in addition to the shows, what's the next two, three years look like? Is it you are going to keep on ranching, obviously. Yep. Keep on helping the family. Sounds like you're a dedicated runner. Yep. A mom. Yeah, our kids will be homeschooled, so that will be another thing I add to my plate in the next uh, couple of years. My oldest is four and a half, so we're just getting into reading, so that takes plenty of its own time. I bet it does. I can't. I cannot imagine. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons we wanted to do the podcast, Debbie, with you is that, again, like I said, we interview a lot of people who have been in the game a very long time, and it's just encouraging to... Uh, to see somebody who's fresh in the game, fresh in the business, and not jaded by it. Still, <laughs> you haven't thrown your hands up in the air and quit yet. No, not in the last two years, I haven't. <laughs> in the museum industry, we, we try to quit every day, I think. <laughs> Those kinds of things. Rachel, we appreciate taking the time for you. Uh, we're at the 30-minute mark on the, on the podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today from Nebraska. Let's give everybody one last shot. It's www.rachelbrownlee.com. I get that correct? Yep. Yeah, they find out more. And of course, I've already seen it out there. You can go out to Insight Gallery and see the works out there. You can go to the Museum of Western Art webpage and see the, the works that we have on our, our website when this uh, podcast is airing. Rachel, thanks for taking the time of joining us today. And we hope you wish you all the best and all the luck. And I know we'll be in charge and uh, back in touch. And we'll see you down here in April, I hope. We will. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Appreciate Thank the time. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Folks, this has been It's Art. Let's talk about it. We've been joined today by Rachel Brownlee, Nebraska artist, new in her career. We encourage you to go out and take a look at her work at rachelbrownlee.com or here at the Museum of Western Art.com. Our websites are available for you. And we thank you for joining us today. And it's art. Let's talk about it. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of It's Art. Let's Talk About It, a production of the Museum of Western Art in Kerrville, Texas. We hope you'll visit the museum in person. We're located at 1550 Bandera Highway in Kerrville, Texas. Find out more about us by going to www.museumofwesternart.com. And we hope you'll join us next time for It's Art, Let's Talk About It. The podcast is produced by the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network.